Hello, everyone. How's it going? My name's Mackin. Welcome to Happy Sad Talk Thing. This is a freeform conversation variety show centered around compelling individuals, um, the people that I like. We uh, shoot the breeze for a while, and uh, it's usually silly and uh, personal and thought and feeling centric. So um, I hope you like those things, because that's what you're going to get from me. Sorry I haven't put out a podcast in a while. This is becoming a, a chronic issue in my life. But whatever, I'm doing it, doing it now going to make no promises. Here's a podcast. Um yeah, things are going things are going all right. Um a little tired, you know. Had a donut at like 9 a.m. That like how <laughs> how good of a day can you have post donut, you know? It's it fucking wrecked me, man. I was like, oh, and like it's not that I'd never I eat a lot of cookies all the time, but Damn, that donut knocked me the heck out. Um, I've been on Bumble a lot recently, and uh, it's just so weird. Just being on a dating app is so <laughs> weird. Um, zero swipes back, which is, you know, it makes you question yourself. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm feeling all right about myself these days. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm a cool guy. I have things to offer and such. Um, but it's just so weird. Like, okay, what five photographs let people know that I'm friggin' sexy, uh, <laughs> funny, um, don't take myself too seriously, but also want this to go well. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's just, it's weird, you know? And there's something very base level about this, the buzz you get from swiping when you're just like, no, 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 yes, no, yes, yes. And then, like, oh, I, you fall in love so quickly, <laughs> and, and you're making, like, snap judgments. And uh, you just think, like, fuck, man, people are in two seconds deciding whether or not they want to go on a date with me. <laughs> you know, and casting all of my humanity aside. Uh, with, the, uh, with the swipe, with the swipe, 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 um... Yeah, so that's weird. Um, but we'll see. We'll see if we get any dates. I like the idea of there being like a clear sort of intention of like, hey, I'd like to go on a date with you. Would you like to go on a date with me? Great. None of that like, oh, we should hang out. <sighs> um, but yeah, you know, looking for love everywhere. Should probably stop looking so hard. Just, uh, you know, do my thing. But uh, fuck that. Fuck that shit. No, that's important. Anyways, um, yeah, hope you guys are doing well. Hope the times are going all right. If you haven't found love, it's because you're uh, worthless and uh, you're unlovable. So sorry, everyone that's not in a deeply fulfilling, committed relationship. Uh, you suck. Just kidding, guys. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Um, I'm a little cranky. I'm a little cranky today. <laughs> That's all right. All right, guys. I love you very much. Hope the things are going okay. In your times, we have a great podcast today with uh, lovely Haley Perkins. Um, I.O., as she's known in the world of her beautiful songs. Uh, she's a friend of mine from school. And uh, we talk about 
bunch of great stuff. So, uh, 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 let's get into it. Yeah, she was um, very wonderful and honest and uh, wise, you know, and uh, just shared a lot of her thoughts and feelings about the world and her life from growing up. And we just talked about being thinky-feely people and songs and uh, queer culture and um, what else we talk about? Blueberries at one point, um, communication, that type of thing. If this sounds like it's your thing, you're in the right place, guys. Here we go. Happy Sad Talk thing forever. Happy Sad Talk thing. Happy Sad Talk thing. Happy Sad Talk thing. Happy Sad Talk <laughs> cool. Hey, Parkas! Parkas, Parkas! Thanks for waiting so much, not only today, but also all the other times that I canceled on you. No, no, that's to totally do this fine. Podcast. No, I don't mind at all. It's all How good. How are you? I'm doing well. Yeah. Yeah, I'm doing great. Heck yeah, what's been on your mind lately? Um, I've been thinking a lot about... Um, the law of attraction. <laughs> yeah. What is <laughs> Which that? is, um, it's kind of this, like, it's been dubbed like a pseudoscience, but it's this idea that you can um, attract everything you want in your life to yourself if you act as though you've already achieved it. So mm. it's like you're putting out vibes like you already have achieved what you want. Right. And in turn, the universe will reorient itself to suit the reality that you want. Mm. So like a bunch of like billionaires and people, of course, they swear by it. They're like, yeah, I wanted this house when I was like 24. And so like this podcast is primarily get rich quick. <laughs> exactly. My aunt is a really big proponent. It's this book called The Secret. Yeah. OK. I've yeah. heard of this referenced in pop culture, but don't actually know anything about it. Yeah. So that's basically like it's all about the law of attraction. And mm. my aunt is really a big proponent of the law of attraction. And to her credit, she has gone through a lot in her life and she's been able to achieve a lot of the things she's wanted. And mm. she she kind of attributes it to um to the, the law of attraction and the secret. Have you read this book? I have not read the book. I haven't. It's really sad. Ever since I got to college, I haven't really. Forgotten how to read. Yeah, I just, I used to read so much recreationally. Like yeah. when I was in, I went to a private school. Yeah. And uh, when I was in middle school, I used to read a lot of YA fiction. Because, yeah. you know, I was a teenage girl. Uh, I and call it yeah fiction. <laughs> yeah fiction. I like that. I prefer that. That's cool. <laughs> yeah fiction. Let's do it. Uh, so, it yeah. So I used to read a lot of uh, yeah novels. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah. I used to like start reading trends. Like all my friends would read the same books as me because it was a small class. Oh, my gosh. So there's a couple books that I that are really like near and dear to my heart, and I used yeah. to read all the time. Really? Yeah, that's awesome. But I I don't know what happened. I just I lost track of I know I don't know. I just got too busy, and yeah. I didn't make enough allotted time in my day yeah. for um, recreational reading. But I want to. I did read a book, an entire book, my favorite book actually, which mm. I haven't read in a long time. What's your favorite book? Uh, it's this novel called I Coriander. Mm. It's historical also, if you fiction. Want some blueberries, you're welcome oh, some um, I'm good, but thank you very much. Yeah, of course. I now, you think I was hoarding my blueberries? <laughs> I yeah, blueberries, cool. No, I uh, my favorite book is I Coriander, and it's by this author called Sally Gardner. She writes a lot of really beautiful historical fiction, and it's a really amazing novel. Not very long; it's probably like almost 300 pages, kind of a quick read. 
and I read it on the <laughs> on the flight to Boston because I went to Boston recently for a callback, and yeah. um, I loved it so much. I like fell in love with the book all over again. I was like, it's so nice to just sit on a plane and yeah. read. Like mm. it was amazing. I like I never get six hours to do nothing, right. so it was great. I feel like my ideal self reads a lot and I, s- I have the intention to read a lot. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't read as much as I want to read. <laughs> I Yes, absolutely. It's I, definitely I never a had that. F- I feel like the coolest people I meet had that phase as a kid. We're, we're yeah. Readers as a kid. Yeah. Never had that phase. Oh, Not interesting. You cool strike enough. me as the kind of person who would really like to read. Well, I am the type of person <laughs> that uh, knows how to purchase books and <laughs> listen to the author talk <laughs> about that book on podcasts and then kind of like riff on the ideas. I wish I was the kind of person, see, the kind of person I think I would love to be also listens to podcasts and I don't really uh, listen to podcasts that often. So we have this in common. Yeah, there's, a, there, I mean, it, it's definitely, there's definitely both ways to consume things. I've been thinking a lot about mediums recently and mm. like podcast is a very passive medium. Medium, you know yes reading is a very active medium you yes. know so but sometimes i just fucking listen to an audiobook while i'm doing the laundry mm. and like i wasn't gonna read that book but now bam i read that book bam boom boom what were you in boston for doing um so i recently got into this well i got i got the call back yay um Whoa, that's great but there's this um what did you audition for there's this all-female acapella group called cape harmony and um, they're like a seasonal thing. So every summer, these 10 ladies, well, they audition people from all over the country, but these 10 gals come together and they do paid gigs all over Cape Cod um, mm. for the whole summer. So I'll be gone. Basically, I leave like late May and I won't be back until school starts. Whoa. So I'll be on the East Coast all summer. That's beautiful. Yeah, I'm really excited That's about awesome. it. Yeah. That's sick. I'm stoked. When did you start singing acapella stuff? Oh, man. Uh, I have been into acapella since I was in, like, 10th grade. I started being, like, in an acapella group my junior year of high school. Mm. At my school, <laughs> I went to a performing arts and technology magnet. There were no sports. So the, the thing you could do to be popular was choir, right? Mm. So we had, like, vocal ensemble, which is, like, the mixed choir. It's kind of like an intermediate choir. And you had, like, women's ensemble, which was a little bit lower than that. It's so kind of like a beginner. Right. And then at the very top of the choir pyramid and the popularity pyramid at my school was um, this jazz choir slash. Mm-hmm. Well, it later just became an acapella choir because we'd stopped doing as much jazz. But it was called Abbey Road because our choir director was named Bevan Abbey. Uh, and so, um, yeah, I got into the group my junior year. And that started my long love affair with acapella. Yeah. Yeah. And then I did acapella academy in 2016 after I graduated from mm. high school. And that was life changing. So were you slash are you a Glee fan? The like the, the TV show? Yeah. I loved Glee when it came out. Okay. I was okay. like, there's a show for me. Somebody gets me. Yeah. Wow. Like, I, I definitely think Is it came out. Is this how you used to talk? <laughs> God, I really hope not. <laughs> Do you ever just like hate listening to yourself? Uh, I hate, yeah, I hate listening. <laughs> I would say most. Times. Yeah, most of the time. But uh, yeah, I was really into Glee. And then that definitely was like, I want to be in choir in high school. Because it came out, I think, when I was in... Was I a freshman? It might have been earlier. I think it might have been eighth grade or seventh grade that Glee came out. Mm. Yeah, I think I want want to say I was in middle school. And it was really great because I just thought it represented all those like outcasts who kind of used music as a way to like relate to each other. And it was great. And it was all sorts of outcasts, like popular kids who are outcasts. And, you know, all those weird ones like me, who's like a floater who kind of like was friends with everyone. The floater. I was also a floater. Yeah. I feel like a lot of musicians like are, are like that. Yeah. Because we are, are attracted to different types of people, mm. which allows us to see a number of perspectives and mm. ride and wow, everything's connected. Wow. <laughs> what are 
the dynamics like in a performing arts technology high school? Everyone's very melodramatic all the time. Okay. I realize now how self-involved everyone really was. Like, I felt like I had no friends, even though I had, I was, people thought I was so cool. There were like kids that would come up to me that were freshmen when I was a senior and they were like, you're so cool. Like, how do you do it? You made it into this choir. I'm like, oh my God, thank you. I I don't know. I really, I felt alone for a lot of it. We have a very similar experience. Yeah. That's often how I describe my high school experience. Yeah. I felt like, even though I, on the outside, I was like doing really well for myself. I felt very misunderstood. And I, Mm. there were times where I was like really sad and I would just like sit in the corner of the room and see who would talk to me if I didn't go out of my way to talk to people. Cause I'm an extrovert. Um, and no one would talk to me. I felt like I had no friends. Mm. It wasn't until senior year that I found like those two friends that are actually the people I care about you. They drive me to lunch during our free seventh period. Aww. Those, those are the good, I still talk to them. They're like one yeah. of like few, like two few people I keep in contact with from high school. So when you graduated, were you excited to move on from that scene? Oh yes. Of people. Yeah. I just, I, I felt like I was too big for the pond. Like I always mm. had big dreams and I was like, coming here was terrifying because I really had been a musical theater gal my whole life and mm-hmm. I got into NYU and I was really stoked because I wanted to go to NYU yeah and then I was like mm, the piggy bank does not want to go to NYU no because it's way too expensive yes. and they gave me like a sizable amount of money but it wasn't enough mm-hmm. and I went there and I visited because it was important for me I'm very visceral I need to like see it and I need to be yeah, there and I had a of bunch course. of friends who were in the program who were older than me so I went and I had a great time and I was like you know what though like if I didn't go here I could live without that and that was, you know, something mm. that struck me. I was like, mm, I can live without this. a wise way to make decisions. Yeah, but then yeah. I came here and I did explore and I met a bunch of pop kids and I was like, this is the place. Like, I just yeah. had a feeling. So I remember I <laughs> have a very distinct memory. When I went to visit NYU, I'd already visited USC. And so I was staying with my cousin, Scott, in his beautiful like apartment in Jersey City, um, right outside New York. And I was doing my commitment to USC in New Jersey before I even left to go back home. And I was like, are you sure? I'm like, I'm ready to do it. Yeah. And I was listening to Sufjan Stevens and I just, I pressed that yes. button. And I was like, I'm going to USC. What and a beautiful moment. What, yeah. what Sufjan were you listening to? I was listening to Feudal Devices. Ah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was amazing. It was a great moment. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's wonderful. good to, it was, it was important for me to belong somewhere. I'm really big on belonging. Yeah. Um, which I think most people are mm. cause that's how we have like social yeah. connectivity. And Do you feel that you belong now? Oh yes. These are my people. Like I feel like that's anywhere cool. you go, you have to find your people. And here mm. I found a lot of my people. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thank when you. did the writing thing start? Oh wow. I've been okay. You write, you write beautiful songs. Thank you so much. <laughs> I started writing. I sort of reflexively said thank you when you said thank <laughs> you. I don't know why I did. You're like, Reflection, I was like yeah. thanks, thanks, thank. <laughs> I do the same thing. People will be like, thank you, you're welcome. And I'm like, oh yeah, thank you. Thank I'm you, like, you're welcome. <laughs> but um, happy birthday to you. <laughs> yes. Uh, when people are like, have a nice day, I'm like. Yeah, thank you. you have it like your movie. Yes. person that sold me the movie ticket. Everything has to be reciprocal. <laughs> I always feel the need to like be giving. Yeah, but I started yeah. writing. Um, wow. I started writing songs when I was, mm, I want to say 11 or 12. It Mm. started my first like foray into like writing at all began in like sixth grade. I want to say it was sixth grade. We had English class with Mrs. Ramirez. Shout out to Mrs. Ramirez. She's amazing. I wonder if she's still teaching, but she's incredible. I wonder if she still listens to this podcast. I know. I I mean, she did for a while. (laughs) I want her to listen to the podcast, but I, uh, I, one we we had a unit in poetry one day mm-hmm. and I'd never written a poem in my life. I'd always been 
fascinated by Shakespeare and poems. And I was like, gee, I could never do that. Or I guess I'd never really thought about it, to be honest. Right. And then we did this poetry unit and I wrote this poem called Funny Days. <laughs> Funny Days. Funny Days. It's really silly. Uh, and it was the first poem I ever wrote. And I just fell in love with poetry and writing poems. Mm. And ever since then, I started before I got like before I was gifted a guitar for Christmas, I used to write poems and then I would pick garage band loops and I would write melodies and start making songs out of garage band loops. Yeah. Uh, that was an incredible time in my life. I remember feeling like I was like, I'm gonna make an album. I'm going to yes. be famous. I'm going to go on a world tour. And I wrote all these songs that I have saved on my old computer um, yes. with just garage band loops because I didn't know how to play anything. Um, and then I was gifted a guitar when I was probably 12. And then I started taking guitar lessons at like this, place called instrumental music which is in thousand oaks i don't know if you know where that is but i don't um i had this like really like hippie type teacher and i think her name was like luna or something something naturey right and she was great but i really didn't feel like i was learning enough or i i wasn't diligent enough to practice so i kind of dropped off of the guitar grind for a while and mm. sort of just taught myself chords on in my own time yeah and then i was gifted a ukulele when i was 13 or 14 and that's when like the real songwriting started happening mm. and the songs that i wrote on ukulele which i made into like a little ep eventually went to become the songs that i would use to audition for pop here Ooh. yeah and then i grew out of the ukulele i don't really write on ukulele anymore and then i mm. got less afraid of guitar and yeah. with the uh lovely assistance of tim kobza uh i have just developed my guitar skills now and I feel a lot more comfortable than mm. I used to but I used to be very uncomfortable with the yeah. guitar I feel like ukulele kind of had a similar moment in like pop culture and then it, maybe I, like you don't see it as much anymore no I think it's because people have so many strong associations with the ukulele like when you hear a ukulele song you're like oh it's an indie cover of a uh, rather be again like you know what I mean yeah I feel like a lot of people will be like fucking I fucking hate the ukulele. <laughs> yeah, and I <laughs> when I it's first weird, started weird hill to die on, It is weird. <laughs> it's a very weird hill to die on. But when I was younger, I was a really big proponent of like I'm going to write these really deep songs on ukulele so nobody ever says anything bad about the ukulele again. Right, that was kind yeah. of my very hard Fighting for the hard ukulele. Line. Yeah, cuz I was like, you know what? I consider myself a serious songwriter and I write these really most of my songs are really sad or like emotional and so I was determined to like change the the way people saw the ukulele and for a while it was really comfortable but at a certain point I just ran out of ideas I think there's a point where like I think where you come to a, where an instrument as small as ukulele not that it doesn't have a lot of capabilities but you kind of like I don't know I lost the creative drive with ukulele yeah. and I will always love it and I think it without it I never would have made it up yeah. the stepping stones that I've made mm. on guitar now mm. but I um yeah I was really really big fan and i am so thankful for everything that it taught me yeah it taught me uh that's how i feel about it this yeah. is the deepest conversation i've ever had about ukulele. <laughs> i guess yeah it's not a lot of people really read into it that much but yeah. i i think about think about things way too much no i feel you i think that it's so it's like basically your job as a songwriter to kind of like trick yourself and to keep yourself on your toes and excited and so if you're feeling like comfortable or sort of stagnant like that's when you need to switch it up oh you know? yeah and absolutely and it's crazy like how different instruments kind of beckon different types of songs you exactly know like you write a song on a bass or on a piano or something it's like yeah it's a different vibe yeah i totally feel like i i have a lot of friends who are very rooted in a certain instrument and it gives their whole music a certain character like like Greta, for example, she, I mean, she plays guitar, but a lot of her writing is like baseline influenced and she loves low mm. notes. And so like 
she writes the most beautiful songs and they're all very yeah. rich and it all starts from the bottom up and i really admire her for being able to pick all those things out of the guitar really nicely because all of her songs feel so full to me mm. even if it's just her and a guitar and like yeah. background vocalists it's always really beautiful so i love that I'm sure I'm blueberries, <laughs> blueberries. have you seen that line where the kid tries to pronounce blueberry no he <laughs> this dad is talking to his son i think this kid's name is like gavin or something he's like famous or used to be famous on vine when vine was you know alive and there's a really cute vine where he's teaching his son to say his son can't say blueberry so he's like say blue and the kid says blue and then he says say bear and he says berry and he says now say blueberry and he's like bulberit <laughs> he's like bulberit <laughs> That's adorable. And it's so cute. So wholesome. I missed Vine entirely. You should just watch Vine comms because that's what's brought Vine back to life, I think. Is it? Are they bringing it back? Yeah, like there's supposed to be a Vine too. I don't know if it's a thing yet, but Vine is the kind of thing where it's now more popular dead than alive, which is kind of funny because it's like an Edgar Allan Poe of apps. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I feel kind of bad for it. But actually, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting thing. It's an interesting phenomenon. Yeah. I think Vine has really fundamentally changed the way we think about humor. Mm. Like punch, people expect punchlines in six seconds. You know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of people get bored. They're not willing to sit down for the whole joke. You know. I remember the premise of Vine. Mm. Just the idea. And I was like, I need to do this and i need to be the best at it. <laughs> it was so dumb <laughs> no and i was I, so yeah. overwhelmed by needing to be the best at it that i never fucking made a Isn't vine in my silly? life <laughs> i <laughs> i remember my friend brie was really into vine i never got into vine when it was you know around but she was really into vine singers like when sean mendez was just like on vine and Six not second a, vine sings yeah like I, crazy. I i think he started on vine right I, you have no idea I think he did. But I remember she was like, you got to see this kid, Sean Mendez. He's like, so good. And like, I'm like, great. Another white boy with a guitar. I'm like, right. but yeah, no, but yeah I, it's amazing what Vine has done for a lot of people. Like without Vine, he would never have a career. Mm. It would, it would, be, or he would, but it would be different. And so I think that Vine was for a lot of people was like a way to get their voice out there without anyone else needing to do anything for them. Millions and billions of people could see them without right having a middleman or a label or anything. And that's how he got, you know, scouted and signed. So I wonder like what the age cutoff is in the micro generation for kids that just like don't know what Vine is, you know, (laughs) that's a really good, or do you think that it still has enough like kind of cultural? I think that I, like I said, I really think that used to be a thing. Yeah. I think that Vine compilations, like Vine is right now. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel like Vine compilations are, are popular. Are you in sixth grade right now? Right now? <laughs> Am I in sixth grade right now? Yes. <laughs> okay. My brain is in well, sixth grade. Well, case right closed. Oh, no. true. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think that with Vine comp, like the advent of YouTube and then Vine compilations uploaded to uploaded to YouTube, I feel like people have, if they weren't al- like alive or I guess. Right. Or they were too young when Vine was like first created. They at least have a concept of what Vine was. Yeah. So I, I, it's somewhere in between. I think micro generations, generations is also really interesting. Yeah. Do you want to play a weird game? Yes, sure. Okay, I want to just shout out things I remember from the early internet and okay. see if you <laughs> okay. were aware of them. <laughs> yes, go ahead. Miniclip.com. Yes. Okay. Addictinggames.com. Yes. Okay, all right. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm still young. <laughs> um, funnyjunk.com. No. Ah! <laughs> E-bombs world. No. Uh, that's, that's all I got. Oh. <laughs> 
Do you remember, um, oh, damn, what were those things called? Neopets. Yes. <laughs> Is that what you were about to bring up? No, it's like another. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just It was kind shouting. of like this Tamagotchi type thing, except it was a girl in a house with all these like buttons on the bottom. I can't remember what it's What's called. What's a Tamagotchi thing? Tamagot- isn't Tamagotchi, I wasn't alive when Tamagotchis were first created, obviously, but I think Tamagotchis were a 90s thing or it was like a little mm-hmm. creature in like a digital like orb that you would like play with. Well, yeah, but I never, I never played with Tamagotchi, but mm. I did play with this other thing that was kind of like it. It was like a, like a little woman in a house, and you could like make her do different things. But I don't remember what it's called, mm. of course, because I never remember what anything's called. But I can describe it in great detail. But it was like, so it was like a game or something. But it yeah. was a physical toy. Yeah, so it was like a house. Like it looked like a house on the outside, but like there was like a digital like little gal on the inside, mm. and like you could make her like cook food or like go for a run. I'm like, like a little digital gal on the inside. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> Digital gal, you should write a song. Digital gal, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you're talking about the law of attraction. Yes. What do you want, and what are the things you're hoping to attract? I, <laughs> I've been doing this thing where I've been getting back to the gym recently, and I think about it a lot when I'm in the gym because when you're on the treadmill and you're like doing interval training and you want to die, the thing you're thinking about is like something to keep you driving forward. So I listen to like really loud, intense music, and I'm thinking about all my goals. And I'm like, wow, I really want to go on a tour, like an international tour with my music. And so I'm thinking about already having done that. I'm thinking about my life as though I were already on tour and I'm like, oh, I'm just mm. in the gym on, you know, a break from one of my shows. Right. Like, so I kind of think about it like that or, um, yeah. or I'm just like sitting in my, like in my apartment and I'm thinking about, I'm like imagining the life that I want. Like I, I really want to play a gig every day and I want to do interviews and I really would love to, I love songwriting. And even if I'm not like an international touring artist I would really just love to be a career songwriter and so I think about all the people I'd love to write songs with mm-hmm. um, and I think about great lyrics a lot I'm like wow if I could I feel like I, I always aspire to those like lyrics that I like idolize in my head yeah so I'm always thinking about the next great thing that I can write and I'm like if somebody heard this it could change their life like really right. so that's those are the types of things I think about mm. are there any lyrics lately that have been blowing your mind yeah well I recently it's kind of like lyrics that blew my mind that I've forgotten about that I've now rediscovered because I'm going yeah. back to my library. Mm. And there's a song by the song. Wow, there's a song by the song. There's a song by this band called, um, I think it's Ch- Little Green Cars or Chasing Cars, something like that. I think it's Little Green Cars. And they have this song called The John Wayne. And in it, it's kind of a long lyric, but it goes, um, it's easy to uh, it's easy to fall in love. It's easy to be alone. It's easy to hate yourself when all your love is inside someone else. It's easy to take it all. It's easy to give it to when there's more people out there to love than people who love you. Ooh, and it just like cuts sure. me deep. I was like walking to rehearsal the other day and I was like, fuck, this is really amazing. Yeah. And I remember being a kid and being so affected by that. And like the fact that it still affects me the same way now is amazing to me. I think mm. great lyrics just stand the test of time. Every time mm. you hear it, if you feels the same way. I mean, it may mean something different over time, but it feels so like I feel so strongly about that. Yeah. Know? What are you? What are your lyrics about lately? Um, the most recent of lyrics. I've kind of recently experienced like a turn in my lyrics. Mm. I was writing songs about the same emotional situation about a person who I'm very close with, who I like developed feelings for, and I knew that the feelings weren't reciprocal. But I, our lives are so <laughs> parallel. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. It's 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 the same story. It's the same sad story, and I couldn't stop writing about it. 
I thought that yeah. I, every time I thought I'm like, this is the last song I'm going to write about this. And then it would just it keep inspiring me more. You know, misery right. loves company. And mm. so it's in the company of lots of songs now. Right. Um, and so I think I wrote like four or five songs about the same instance. And then recently I wrote a song about a friend of mine who I had this like really emotional, intimate experience with. And like, then afterward, like I started to realize all of the things about this person that I hadn't really seen up close before. And they made me sad and also like a little bit frustrated. And so I wrote a song about that. Um, but it was really interesting. It's kind of the first song I've written about somebody who I don't necessarily have romantic feelings for, or like I'm attracted to, but somebody who I care really deeply for. Right. Who I see a lot of flaws mm. in, like fatal flaws. Mm. Yeah. Like an intimate relationship that isn't a romantic relationship. Yeah. yeah. And it's weird because this person is kind of like averse to, um, they're kind of like manic all the time. And like, they're kind of averse to any sort of like, just calm, like one-on-one emotional. So this was very rare. They were like really tired. It was like at the end of a long day. And we like met up in Boston actually over Christmas break. Mm. And um, it was just a really like insane night. And it was just like, I learned so much about myself via this person. And like, yeah, I think that they learned a lot about themselves as well. And so it was a really, it's, it's, I always come to these like moments in my life of things that don't seem real. And that was something that didn't seem real. Cause it was like, it was a whole different person that I was seeing versus the person who they normally are. So this was over the course of one evening. Yeah. And that's the subject of this song. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Does this person know about this song slash do you ever yes. share the song? You do. I have this thing now where I feel compelled to tell someone when a song is about them. So if it right. ever comes out, they're not like blindsided by it. Okay. Yeah. So if you're like going to release it, you're like, hey, just want you to know. Yeah. But for primarily, it's not for that purpose. It's more because like it's cathartic for me to write about someone right. and then tell them that the song is about them. Yeah. And a lot of people would not be willing to do that which I totally right. understand. But for me, it's, it's like therapeutic for me. I'm like, right. I care about you. I wrote this song about you. Mm. Uh, tell me how you feel about it. Like, yeah. I'm always down to talk about feelings and people's feelings. And I'm like, how do you feel about that? Like, can we break that open and like yeah. talk about it some more? Cause I'm fascinated by the way people think. So yeah. Yeah. And the only thing the person said about it when I showed it to them, they were like, yeah, powerful song. And that was it. And I'm like, okay, which is a textbook example of like all of the things that I kind of talk about in the song. Like there's a mm. lyric in the song. that's like, your walls are made of steel. And that's like a steel wall. Mm. Just like, it's a way of addressing the song and that they care about the song, but not, really you know what i mean right yeah i had a thing in uh high school where i would (laughs) write songs about like a girl that i was angry at and then send her the songs (laughs) oh my god (laughs) it's like the most fucking passive aggressive (laughs) psycho bullshit ever that's crazy um yeah it was weird dude i was weird i was a weird guy and i used to think like i I used to feel like if you were writing a poem you were like the hero you know Mm -hmm. that, that sort of gave you the right to do anything you wanted or something. And I was like, this is like a mean way to communicate with this person. <laughs> this is like not a healthy yeah. way to have this conversation, mm-hmm. you know? And I felt some weird sort of... Uh, way about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I felt like removed from, like, if I like wrote a song, I was like, man, she needs to hear this. Like, <laughs> Instead of just talking to her about it. Yeah, yeah. it was weird. Uh, My mom it. We should be hanging that. out and be like, yeah, so uh, anyways. I wrote a song about you. <laughs> hate you <laughs> no i recently told my mom Nothing i'm like weird. hey mom i'm like bugging out a little bit she's like what's wrong i'm like i wrote this song about this person i'm close to and i sent it to them and i think it might have been the wrong thing to do mm. and she's like well you know if you didn't talk about it in person i'd be kind of pissed if somebody wrote this song about me and i'm like but right. you're but you're completely different people i'm like mm. 
you can't really be mad because it's stuff that I've talked about this person like to their face before. Right. And so um, my mom was like, oh, okay, I see. I'm like, okay, cool. So I talked to my mom yeah. about it. And honestly, sometimes I talk to my mom and I not, I know I'm not going to get the reaction I want, but I just like need someone to bounce it off of. Yeah. And I actually don't really show her a lot of my music when I'm mm-hmm. writing. Cause I, I don't know. I feel like she, not that I don't appreciate her feedback cause I love her and she's my mother, but I think that I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I just don't get the rea- It's not a satisfying reaction. So I don't bother. Once again, similarity. In yeah. Our lives. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, cause I, I also tend to write songs about like my own feelings and stuff like that. And I don't really talk about my feelings that much with my parents. Yeah. And so I, I think feel it is strange for them to hear these songs where their, their boy is like, I am so sad. And then so that, like there, there was this point where yeah. my song started to me to get better and more real and <clears throat> and yes. deeper and more yes. significant. But to them, they were it was they were like more uncomfortable. Yeah, I think my so I'm, they were like, why, why don't you play that other one that you used to play when you were fifteen? Yeah, like my my mom. I only recently started sharing details about my personal life occasionally with my mom. Mm. When I was in fr- like in freshman year, I like had a breakdown one day. And I told my mom all this stuff about my life at once that I that you had, hadn't shared that I hadn't before. shared with her at all. Yeah. I was like. I was like, I'm queer and I like lost my virginity and I'm really sad and I miss you. And I was like on the bath. I was like in the bathroom on my phone. I texted her this huge block. Yeah. She's like, yeah, I know it's cool. Just like be safe or whatever. I was like, wow. I just worry. I knew I would worried over nothing, but I was like, I built it up in my mind and like it was crazy. And it was sort of an insane moment. And like, I look back on it now and I'm like, literally, she doesn't really care about all like any of that. As long as I'm like, she's like, as long as you're okay and you feel all right and you're not hurting anyone or yourself. Like yeah. she's like, I don't really care. She's like, live your life, you know? Yeah. And you know, she always tells me not to worry so much. I'm a right. big worrier, really bad anxiety. Did you feel heard in that moment when you wanted to share who you were with your mother? Did I feel heard? Yes. Yeah. I felt heard. I felt heard because huge. I felt like That's there was, awesome. I felt like there was a part of her that knew, but I felt like it was important for me to say it Yeah. in some way. Definitely. Yeah. And I told my dad too, cause my dad lives in Africa, so I can't really like tell him to his face, but I, it was important for me. Mm-hmm. It's like, he's like, Oh, you know, I support you. However, whoever you are, whatever you do, like my, I'm, I'm so blessed. I've been thinking about that a lot too. Like, I take it for granted, I think, sometimes that, like, you know, I grew up in Southern California. My parents are very liberal. Like, mm-hmm. they just want me to, like, be a good person. And they'll support me if I decide to be, a, you know, a, a bungee jumper for a living tomorrow. They'll be like, okay, what can we do to help? Yeah. And I, I think beautiful. that a lot of people don't have that. And yeah. I, I forget that. And I always have to remind myself how lucky I am. Right. So, yeah. I did feel heard, though, by both of my parents. Yeah. They're very, very thoughtful people. Yeah. Yeah. Heck, yeah. Is your dad, he's in Africa all the time? Well, most of the time. Okay. So basically my dad, he went to school for urban planning and development Mm -hmm. um, and like real estate development. And he used to work in the U.S. And um, he was doing really well for himself. And like I had a really cushy upbringing and like Mm -hmm. went on like family trips to Hawaii and stuff. And it was like kind of bougie. And like, you know, I've lived on both sides of like the spectrum of like, you know, like kind of income, I would say. And so in the beginning of my life was very like I was very like blessed and I was like spoiled, not rotten. My parents were always very like made sure that I was like a good person. But yeah, my dad lost his job when I was in fourth grade or fifth grade. I want to say it was fifth grade. And it was really, really terrible for him because that was like his life's work. Um, mm. And the only place where 
there's room to like develop because the U.S. is a very developed country. So he went to Saudi Arabia first, worked there for a while. He hated it because he lived on a compound and people had AK-47s and stuff and it was crazy. Then he moved to Dubai. Dubai was really expensive and he kept getting jobs and then losing them because people were like, you know, it's kind of like a volatile sort of market. And so he's like, I want to work in a place where I can like retire. I don't want to look for work anymore. My dad's 50 now. So he's like, I don't really, I'm not trying to be on the job hunt all the time. Yeah. And so he, my mom actually was the one who pushed him to move out of the States and look for work. She's like, you are not going to be able to support yourself if you don't leave. So that was a really huge thing. And it was really crazy for me as a kid to like lose my dad. My dad's like my best friend. And so where he settled was in Nairobi in Kenya. Mm. And so he's been basically building up this huge transportation project for five years now um doing like it's like suspended cable cars as a method of public transport because kenya has really awful traffic problems and they usually use a ferry but this will be even faster than the ferry and it'll transport more people Mm. these like air gondolas and so he's been working on that for years and years and years and he's really proud of it that's like his baby and he has a lot of you know he has like a share of the company and stuff. And so it's really important to him and he can't get fired because he runs the company with people. So it was really important for him to have something that was his own. And right. Yeah. So that's kind of like the, that's kind of the short, short version of like my kind of my, my dad's journey. And so for a lot of the time he was like unemployed and like my mom was the only one working. And so we didn't have a lot of money and we lived in a hotel for two weeks. Um, And then we lived, now we live with my grandfather who lives in Lancaster, which is like, in the boonies of California. It's kind of far from here. But um, yeah, it's been, it's been an interesting life. Uh, But I definitely think the, like the absence of my dad, like not being physically there. I didn't see my dad in like three years by the time I graduated from high school, like in person. So that was very emotional. My uncle came from Boston and like all my cousins and stuff. And that was kind of crazy. And it Mm. was weird. Like me and my, like the absence of my father has like, I think I try to think about how it's changed me as a person. Right. And I don't know if I can really identify the ways that it has now. Mm. I'm sure in like 20 years when I look back, I'll be able to know, but I can't really definitively say. Sometimes I try and think about whether the way that I view like men in general is affected by that, but I really don't know. I couldn't say. him and your mother still together? Oh, yeah. 100%. Mm -hmm. My parents are really funny because they fight all the time. But like, it's just because I'm a lot like my dad. My dad's very like art, like really into art and like, very like emotional and like really hard on himself which is how I am and my mom is very logical and she's an accountant and she's like kind of cold sometimes but I mean loving lovely like I love her but um we butt heads a lot when I was younger but we're we're cool now but uh my parents are like fundamentally very different people so they Mm -hmm. argued when I was a lot like when I was a kid first thing I thought my parents are fundamentalists no (laughs) that would be crazy fundamentalism is very interesting um but yeah my parents I remember them arguing a lot, but it was never anything like super serious. They Mm -hmm. always loved each other and it was important for them to like keep it together. Yeah. And I'm amazed that their marriage has survived this like trial of the ages because he's been gone for a long time. Mm. And my mom is just a superhero. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah. (laughs) Now, when you have this breakdown and you're like, I need to share my queerness and just my true self with my parents. Like, mm-hmm. is that something you would share with your friends? And like, what was that kind of journey like? Yeah. I internally for you. Yeah. I basically like, <laughs> it's really funny. I'd always been fascinated by queer culture as yeah. a kid. Cause I grew up in the theater. So I'd always been mm-hmm. around like queer people and I'd been like very respectful of their identities and always just like, mystified by queerness and I never thought to like apply that lens to myself I'm like do you feel some type of way and like it wasn't until I was in ninth or 10th grade that I really started to think about it maybe eighth grade was like the first inkling I had 
And then I never really like fully realized that until like 10th grade. And that was when I was like telling all my friends. I'm like, oh, just just, let's just so you know. Um, But it was, yeah, it was a really very like slow, I guess kind of a slow realization over a period Mm -hmm. of time. But it was great. Like I remember everybody responded really positively. I never was worried about, you know, anybody reacting in a negative way. That's awesome. Yeah. So it was very seamless for me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's the team. <laughs> <laughs> to me, like, um, I've been like very inspired by queer culture just in the, uh, investigation of self, you know, mm. and just being just a proponent of like looking inwards yes. and trying to not judge sort of what comes out Yes, and just approach it with curiosity. And I compassion. agree. And I think that really hard to do. Yeah. It's I was really just, beautiful. I wrote a post the other day. I just, I don't know why I felt, I felt so compelled to write this post about masculinity and all of my feelings about, I feel very like masculine inside in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I love like feminine things too. But a lot of me, it's like very masculine. I feel very rooted in that. And like I, so I wrote this post about, how I'd seen a lot of really public, like mean posts from like, you know, moms in the Midwest that are like, you know, I see men in short shorts and it makes me think that men don't know how to be men anymore. And I just wrote, <laughs> you know, the kind of women who have like, uh, those like idioms, like stitched <laughs> on their pillows. The signs of men for years. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I wrote this post. I'm like, you can be a man however you want to be. I have so many male yeah. friends now that are so much more comfortable, especially I think outward appearance is a big thing. I have a lot of male friends who are yeah. very comfortable in, in like their sexuality and their identity, but you know, they like to wear makeup sometimes or like, like you, like they wear skirts or like whatever. And that's 100% okay. And I feel like a lot of guys are very insecure about that. And yeah. I still, I hate that I have so many cool male friends who still like use the word gay around like their other male friends. Yeah. Like I have friends in frats that do that. And I'm like, why do you have to do that? It's like, why are we still clinging to this stupid like there's a better word for what you want to say yeah we use literally any other word that's not offensive to a group of people like yeah so i i'm really i'm a really big proponent of like you know educating people where you can like giving them a gentle nudge in the right direction just like hey maybe you shouldn't use that word because right. it's, you know it's harmful and yeah. when you say it you may not think it has any effect but the fact that you're saying it and somebody else is accepting it and receiving it is a problem yeah so i'm a big a uh, proponent of like starting with the small things and just like continuing on to the big things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally, man. I was watching this comedy special last night. I think it was like Kevin James or something. Mm-hmm. And it was like <clears throat> first time in a while that I've been like watching a comedy special and been like, I want to turn this off. Like, I don't like this. <laughs> yeah. Um, I forget what the jokes were like. They weren't bad or anything but there was this element of sort of i think he was talking about being lactose intolerant Mm -hmm. and he was like equating it like with like he's like oh like be a man like no one's really lactose intolerant and i was like that's like weird yeah like why it's so funny to (laughs) me that people (laughs) people like really really love to like micro focus on what the male identity is yeah and a lot of times what the female identity is i'm like Mm. i have lots of female friends who are who like to dress masculine but you know they're attracted to men and like that's normal and like people are so keen on like identifying someone and then associating all of the same things into one you know square like category yeah that's just not the way people work yeah and in in the same way like i feel like uh just, I feel like masculinity is in a, such a strange place right now. It really and is. And a lot of, like, that, but that investigation is necessary and, and healthy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, 
But I think about like young dudes growing up with like Trump as the president, you know, like what a weird, oh. <laughs> what a fucking weird I just, thing because you have is. all these sort of like really toxic male qualities that are mm -hmm. rewarded. I think if anything, it's kind of a, it's a really good teaching tool, like for everything that you shouldn't be right. as a man. I'm like, yeah. I feel like that'd be confusing though for little kids are like, yeah. he's, he's the king. <laughs> exactly. I love these kids that go up to the president, like that girl who's like, you're a traitor. You're a terrible person. Like this, this little I black girl, like this. she walked up to him and she told him he was a terrible person. Like, what do you do? Yeah. From the mouths of babes, right? And like, I see a lot of hope. I think that so in some ways the Trump presidency is good because it's flushing out all of the horror that's like been hiding under these rocks, right? right? Yeah. So all of these like white supremacists and people shooting people in churches. Forcing America and to confront the shit that's Exactly. Been and happening. so in a way, I don't know if there's anything else that really would have thrust everything into the spotlight like that. Right. And we can reflect now and we can see, I think in a lot of ways, <laughs> I hate to get, actually I don't hate to get political. It's 2018. You have to be political. Mm. Everything is politics. Um, I really, I think it's been, it's a re been really illuminating for like the ways in which people really treat women so differently from men in the same position. Like mm. I think that the way Hillary Clinton was treated during the presidential campaign is absolutely despicable. Mm. And I maintain that stance and anyone can fight me on that. But right. if she didn't have, you know, lady parts, people wouldn't be saying half the shit they said about her. Right. Like if she were a man, I think that like she would have stood a much better chance against someone like Trump who has all of these people who are like, well, she's a woman and she's evil. Like I, I have never, I, I don't recall hearing anyone like in interviews during a presidential campaign saying that like this male camp, like this male candidate is like evil. Like they, they call her like a demon. They call her evil. Right. Like she's some like witch from the hereafter or something. Like it makes no sense to me. Um, regardless of what your politics are, I just think that it's, it's really illuminating to see, people's true colors you know in in retrospect you know think about everything that was at stake and what's still at stake now and all of the yeah. things that are progressing really interestingly um but it's yeah it's yeah. just like the dishonesty thing is weird like i feel like yeah like we have this like really low standard for honesty with men yeah like <laughs> but i then hillary clinton it was like she's alive yeah exactly i'm like, like what? i'm like why are we pretending like donald trump isn't alive exactly and then he and then he's like like i think there's like some there's definitely some statistic on like the percentage of things that he says that are just factually inaccurate. Factually inaccurate. Everyone's like, he's like, it's not. He's not being serious. <laughs> he's not going to build a real wall. Oh like, chill God. out. Like trying to take those. It's crazy. Interpretive view of lies. It's, it's absolutely like manic. It's, yeah. It's insane. It's weird, man. Yeah. What? Uh, <laughs> how do you? I want to know how you spend your days, like on a daily basis. Wow. How do I spend my days? You had this beautiful post the other day of like a daily schedule or oh like yeah hand-drawn and i'm fascinated by kind of like how I, I, you know in a similar heart and a similar mind like how do you uh how do you live your life to sort of accommodate all the thoughts and feelings <laughs> um so every morning i i've been trying to do eight hours of sleep a day or like a night at least so i've been trying to really like even if i go to bed really late at like 1 a.m i'm like okay well, i'm gonna get up at nine so I've had my like I need eight hours at least to function properly. Right. So I've been feeling a lot better because I've been getting more sleep. Hell yeah. Um, but a typical day for me is like I wake up. Um, usually I'll go to the gym in the morning. If I can't go in the morning, I'll go late at night right before I go to sleep. Um, and then 
I will probably eat. <laughs> and I try, I've been trying to watch what I eat as well because my diet, you know, when you're in college, it's so easy to eat shitty food. And so I've been trying to eat less shitty food, particularly less salt because I have like a blood pressure issue. Mm. And exercise has definitely been helping with that. But yeah, eating, eating. And then I um, typically have class. Usually I'll eat after class. I sometimes don't have time to eat before class. But um, I try and occupy my like free time writing, practicing stuff for guitar. Um, and sometimes I'll schedule like a session or just a chance to like look at a song that I like sent to someone to like look at for production or, um, I'll go to usually like if I don't have free time, I'll have work and I work at the events office where Sarah works. Yeah. Um, and that's really fun. I love Sarah. Sarah and I went to high school together. I didn't know that. Yeah. Santa Sue. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I'll go to work and then after work I'm pretty pooped, but, um, yeah, I try and. I try and also a lot of time to just like chill because I think that decompressing your brain is super important. And I feel like there's less of a value placed on that these days. Everyone yeah. is like, you have to work every single day and never stop. I'm like, well, if you don't like live, then what are you going to do? Like, right. so I try and a lot some time to like nap or relax um, and then eat again. And then I'll try and find something fun to do like at night. Um, sometimes I just like go over to a friend's apartment and we'll just like have drinks and like hang out and talk about usually all the people I hang out with are in pop. So it'll be about pop stuff. Um, or just about life in general. I think it's interesting to talk about like politics with a bunch of pop kids. Cause everyone feels almost the same way, but like there's different like micro views in like intertwined and right. like the liberalism, which is really interesting. Um, and yeah, then I like leave some quiet contemplation time at night before I go to sleep. And sometimes I'll come up with really good ideas for songs right before I go to bed. Yeah. And I'll like record them on my phone. Yeah. And sometimes I listen to them and I'm like, what is this? But other times I'm like, oh, that's good. Yeah. Like, so that's like a typical <laughs> day for me, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's kind of the overview. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. If you have like a free Saturday, what are you, what are you up to? Um, what am I up to? Sometimes I try and go to people's gigs if I can. Right. A lot of times I'm just like lying in bed or I call my mom or I'll call my dad. Yeah. Um, and I'll talk to them for a bit, see what's up, what's happening. I like to take walks. I'm yeah. a big fan of walks. I love the campus. I think it's so beautiful. I think it's even more beautiful at night than yeah. it is during the day. I agree. I've written a lot about the orange glow. Like, the lamps are orange. They're Dude. not, like, white. So yeah. I write a lot about that. I feel that. And I love the Little Chapel of Silence. Fuck yeah, dude! <laughs> it's so good. Shout out to the Little Chapel of Silence. Yes, Little also, Chapel of Silence. I also love that that is just the name of it. It's just engraved on the front. It just says Little, little Chapel, Chapel of, of Silence. Silence. Yeah, yeah, people are like, what is that? It's so mysterious. It's I'm great, like, man. Yeah, I'm like, it's an amazing place. I always encourage people to go there because it's so beautiful. Yeah. And it's such a great place to just like kind of bring all of your thoughts to yeah. center, you know? Yeah. And I read a lot of like the stuff that people write in the book. Yeah. I took some pictures of it. I, I, there's a quote that I saw. I'm like, I'm going to get that tattooed on me. It said like... Um, it was like when two, when two stars collide in the sky, we will be there. And then had a semicolon, you and me. And I was like, that's so beautiful. And the handwriting was amazing. I was like, I got to take a picture of this. Yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. That's great. Yeah. There's this, it's the, it's the crazy cool thing because like, yeah, there's this sort of like, uh, it's like a guest book or something like that where people can just write and talk to each other. And some people are writing like really really heavy stuff between them and god (laughs) some Mm -hmm. people are writing like just like personal stuff and some people are like being very silly and it's really really fascinating but it's like only exists in that room yeah and it's like only people that are having like conversations with each other and it's like all just like people that 
under like just have a reverence for this non-denominational space like it's it's, it's beautiful very very beautiful i cool. love it because people i love to see what people feel compelled to say yeah because like if you give someone complete anonymity like a lot of times it's really freeing and so people just write whatever right. they want yeah um i wrote some back to someone once whoa um i think they were what do they say it's on my phone somewhere let me see if i can find it yeah because cool. i feel like it's i feel like it's like because uh, you have anonymity on the internet but you also have like popularity on the internet still with anonymity yes know? exactly so there's this really really special it's like the coolest subreddit <laughs> <laughs> the coolest sub. Yeah, yeah it is i should go on reddit more i am enzo really loves reddit but i've never really eh, it's fine <laughs> i don't it's fine <laughs> it's cool um i don't actually don't know enough about reddit to say it's good or bad but i don't think you need to be doing anything that you're not doing <laughs> um where is it oh you gotta be on reddit Gotta be on Reddit. Yeah, I've heard a lot about Reddit. There's a lot of discourse about it that I've seen. It's just another place for <laughs> talking on the internet. Oh, I found it. It says, so the person wrote, what did I do wrong? I just want her back. Um, um, something about life seems so empty now. I think that's what it says. And then I said, sometimes change is painful, but it is always necessary. You will pass through this life but once and love will find you again. That was me. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I did write in that book, though. Um, yeah, I, I take pictures of things in there sometimes. Mm, I always wonder, like, who... Because the, the book goes through different volumes. And who like, has them, I wonder. Who has them? That's I, like, who bought the... You write so many songs that book? based on yeah, all the stuff in that book. Yeah. But also, I feel like it's weird. It's kind of like you're invading other people's privacy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a little voyeuristic. It does. There's something really intriguing about voyeurism, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. I love people watching as well. Mm. I feel like a lot of artists love to people watch. Yeah. Just make up stories for people. You're like, hmm, what's their life like? Did you go <laughs> to the uh, to the book fair? I did. How was it? It was good. I mostly just went to see my friends sing. Right. I didn't really like traverse the actual fair that much. Yeah. I love the weird tense where it's like alternative publishing and they have like books about my dog ate my sister's arm and I'm like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. There's a whole novel about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's really interesting. It's like, wow, people really just want to publish these truths and like they find <laughs> this outlet to do so. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Heck yeah. Well, will you um will you sing us a song? Yeah. One of your songs? Yes. Fuck yeah. Let's Thanks so much for coming over and hanging. Of course. I appreciate you, dude. Mm -hmm. Let me set this up for you to sing. Okay. Cool. Yeah, this is a song that I was talking about before. I've never performed this song for anyone before. So there may be a couple hiccups, but I, I think it should be okay. It's called Chestnut. Yeah. Okay, let me lower this a bit because sometimes I like to look down. Okay. Okay. Hmm. Chestnut winters You smile when you're big Your heart doesn't break It's splinters And your splinters speak the truth Cannot see so deep. Your 
Gorgeous. Thank you so much. <laughs> where can where can people hear more of your wonderful music? Um, I haven't really released anything in a while. The last thing I released was a cover of this Iron and Wine song. It's on SoundCloud. Mm. I think it's SoundCloud.com slash I dash am dash I O dash music. That's I O dash music. Yeah. I so I O. Yeah, I O is my artist name. It's a moon. That's a whole. Yeah. That's a whole like story about like. What's that story? It's basically. Um, is it just I O? Just two letters in a row. Yeah. Um, the actual artist name is I O with this like the O has a slash through it. But um, okay. Basically, I O is a moon of Jupiter, and it's like the most volcanically active um, body in the entire solar system. But like not a lot of people know about it, and it's kind of like lonely and very far away. Mm. And so I use it as like a metaphor for myself. Yeah. And so that's why I picked Io. And I have like a really, I have like a weird obsession with the stars and cosmic bodies and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, fucking thank you so much, Haley. Of course. That was beautiful. Thank you for having me. Io. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. been great. Amazing. Happy sad talk thing forever. Yes. <laughs> Happy sad talking. Happy sad talking. Happy sad.